close to closing out this series that we're in called Images, in which we're looking at images that God himself gave us to help us understand who he is. The Bible could just be full of thou shalts and thou shalt nots and here are some principles and here are some facts. But God knew that we don't all learn that way. And even those of us who have tried our best to figure things out in that way, we, we still could use a little help. And God knew that, so he gives us images, just practical stuff that you and I are familiar with, things that we see to help us understand him a little more. God could say, here are nine characteristics of me, or he could say, it's like this. And when God gives us the image of, say, the kingdom, perhaps, he gives us the image of a kingdom, he says, I'm the king, and that's a pretty cool thing, because then I realize in this story, in this scenario, I bet I'm going to get to be a prince. Like, I get to be a child of God. I get to be his, and if he's king, then I'm a prince, and that's a pretty cool thing. When God gives us an image of a tree or of a strong vine, I'm like, I can get that. I'm, I'm a branch. I'm a part of that. I understand that. When God says, I'm a coach, and I'm coaching you in this endeavor, I'm good with that. That means God's going to view me in this scenario as an athlete. I like that. When God says, I'm the commander or general, it's like this. I think, oh, I get to be a soldier, and that, that's a good thing. Well, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the great shepherd. Well, let's see. Who could I be in this scenario? Uh, I guess I'm a sheep. Like that, All of a sudden, all the excitement and the, yeah, I get this, and I'm understanding more, just begins to fade. And I think about just being a nasty, dirty bit of livestock that is not known for being the most intelligent animal on the farm. Like that, all of a sudden, I don't know that I want to grab this one. So why would God use that image? It's not very flattering for us, and if you haven't figured it out, if he's the shepherd, we are the sheep. We're not grass, and we're not streams of water, and we're not a pen, we're not food. We, we are the sheep in that scenario. So why would God use that? Well, we're not going to look at John chapter 9, but the chapter before, that, the chapter we're going to see today, in that chapter, it's one of the coolest parts of Jesus' ministry to me. There's a moment where Jesus heals a guy and doesn't really introduce himself. He doesn't say, by the power of me, Jesus, the Son of God, the one sent to save. No, he just reaches out and heals a guy. And the guy leaves healed, and everyone around him sees it, and they begin to ask him questions. And really, the main question is, who healed you? And he doesn't know. He forgot to ask Jesus his name. And Jesus never stopped to say, I am Jesus. He just healed him. So there's this back and forth of how could he really be healed? Who is the person that healed him? What did you do? And why are you in this place in the, in the first, uh, first place? And are you really even someone who's healed? Or were you faking it along the way? And maybe that's not you. That, and there was a lot of stuff going back and forth. Maybe he really wasn't the guy that couldn't see after all. Maybe he just looks like him. Maybe, And eventually they find out that he had met Jesus. And so they go to him and they said, is it Jesus? Is that who healed you? He says, I don't know his name. And they said, well, if it is, then we have a problem because he healed you on the wrong day and in the wrong way, and we don't believe that that guy is special. We believe he's a liar anyway, and on and on. And the guy literally said, I don't know if the guy's a sinner or not. I don't care. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. Like, that's, that's his whole testimony. They get mad at him. They get frustrated with him. They say, you're a sinner. You're backwards, you're messed up, you're against us, the religious leaders in the community, so get out of here. And they kick him out. And then Jesus shows up, and he begins to have a dialogue with these religious leaders who were so, uh, so frustrated and so angry with what had happened. 
And he begins to talk to them about how they had abused the opportunity they had to lead these people spiritually. In other words, they were supposed to be shepherds to the people, and they'd failed them. So we flip into John chapter 10, and Jesus thinks, now's a good time for me to give a little lesson. And he begins to talk about this idea of a shepherd and sheep and what kind of responsibility that he has to them. And in verse 7, after the religious leaders had already stopped and just said, we don't understand what you're talking about, he went on, and apparently he addressed everyone at this point, and he said, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man, who run, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and comes or cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So his image to help the people understand more of the nature of God is that he is the great shepherd. Now, when we look at this image, we cannot help but realize he's also saying something about us, the sheep. Because just as if he's the king, we get to learn a little bit about those in the king's family. If he's the vine with the branches, we get to an understanding of that. Well, as the shepherd, now we have to turn and say, what does that mean about us as well? So a portion of what he's teaching is about him being the great shepherd, but a portion is also about us as sheep. What does that mean for us in the relationship? So I want to pull out four things that will probably be reminders to you, but four things that I believe Jesus was trying to teach us in explaining how he is the great shepherd. The first one is simply this, a shepherd sees for his sheep. As a great shepherd, he actually sees for the sheep. He sees what they are unable to see. Now, I'm not saying that sheep cannot see. That's, that's not truth at all. They can see, but they have a very different way of viewing things. In fact, science tells us that sheep have more of a peripheral view of things, almost like a panoramic view of what's going on around them. They see a lot of stuff happening over here and even back over here and a little bit over here all at the same time. They've got a lot coming in, yet they don't see a whole lot with it. In other words, they see a lot of stuff, but they see very little detail in that. And they have terrible depth perception. So they have this constant influx of stuff that their eyeballs are allowing them to see, but they can't really make a lot out of it because it's just too much. They're, they don't have the ability to be able to focus. And so shepherds come in and help them navigate that. With the shepherd's staff, he guides the sheep along the path where he wants them to go. He, he guides them to be able to find shelter. He guides them to be able to find food. He guides them around the right path because they can't really catch it all. So in this scenario of Jesus being our shepherd, I think there's a reminder here that you and I at times just take in too much. And our perspective on what is happening is skewed by just what's right in front of us. We don't see the big picture. We see a lot of stuff, but we can't really make heads or tails of it. And we have so much information that's coming to us. 
We have so many things that are being thrown at us. We have so much that we read, so much that we see, and we feel like at times that's the reality when it's really not. I've had the opportunity at times to try to encourage people between services or during the week, and um, not too long ago, there was a middle school girl that stopped me after the first service and said, I, I just want to talk for a minute. I'm struggling, and I'm sad, and I said, what's going on? And she said, everybody's talking about me all the time. I said, well, what are they talking about? She's like, well, they just are all talking about me. I said, well, I haven't been talking about you, so tell me, how, who is talking about you? And she named like four or six girls. I said, so like four to six people on the planet are talking about you right now. And she said, well, it sounds weird when you say it, but yes, but it's everybody's talk. I said, who is everybody? Like, who are all these people? And we began to work towards the fact that there were actually billions of people on the planet that don't know what's going on unless she chooses to tell, but her view is just right here. And if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you look at is Facebook, you think, well, everybody's mad about such and such today. Well, not really, but just the 30 people that you see over and over again, they're kind of worked up, but there are a few other million people that don't even know this is a thing until you just bring it up. So whether it's media or social media or our friends or our circles or whatever it is, we, can, we have a way of having this perspective of, oh, this is everything, and this is everybody, and everyone feels this way, and they really, really don't. And the shepherd's able to come by a sheep and say, you're, you're missing the boat. Right? You don't, you're not seeing what's really out there, so let me help you. And the gift that he's giving is vision. He gives us the ability to be able to see what we cannot see. The ability to be able to say, okay, not everything is equal. Just because it's in front of me doesn't mean it's attacking me. Just because it's in front of me doesn't mean it's two miles off. Like there, there is some context to what's going on. He gives us that gift of vision. And I know you expect me to say that to you, being the preacher, but I'll just encourage you again that Every single day of your life, before you see and read and take in other information, you need to set yourself apart in your home or your apartment, wherever you live, and just get alone with God for some time. I'm telling you, it will change your perspective on everything. Because if the first thing I did in the morning was get up and read text messages and then read emails and then get on Facebook and then get on Twitter and then get on Instagram and then get on the news apps and, and then I show up and say, God, we got a mess today. What are we going to do? Like, this is a bad day. Instead, I, I don't do it. I keep my phone face down. I walk into a different place. I grab the word, not because I'm holier than any of you. I, I know that. You guys at times spiritually run circles around me. But I know I've got to discipline myself because I don't want to be swayed by all the stuff coming in. So I just stop and say, God, I need to see you right now. I need to see what you see. I need to view my world through your perspective. So before I even put on clothes and walk out of this house, I want to spend some time with you. There are clothes. It's just limited. But there, I need to spend some time with you right here in this room. Before I even have a conversation with my wife, I stop and I want to hear what God has to say. Part of it is because she's been up for an hour already. But I, I spend some time alone to say, God, I need your perspective here. So that when I get up from here, my perspective now is you're actually at work in a way that sometimes we don't even realize. You're actually doing some things behind the scenes, but I would never see it if I just had that limited view. We need help in what we see. And the shepherd's able to help the sheep see. 
And maybe today, the one thing that you need to leave here with is just the commitment to stop every day and say, Father, I trust you at work, but I do not see you. So you're going to have to show yourself to me. I'm trusting that you haven't abandoned me, but I just don't feel you. And I need to see you. And anytime God's people come around and say, Shepherd, I'm a sheep and I need to see you. I need you to move. I need you to act and show up in my life. That is a prayer that he will never, ever shy away from. I want to I see you. So he helps us see. Secondly, a shepherd thinks for his sheep. A shepherd teaches his sheep what they can't understand. Even if they see it, they can't quite perceive it. They don't quite grasp what they're looking at. Now, all of us are familiar with animals, and most of you probably have pets. But have you ever really thought about the low bar that we set for animals? Um, our dogs are nine years old. We have a little brother, sister, a couple of labradoodles. And when they were little bitty and we brought them home, we had a little tennis ball, and we would roll it across the back porch outside. And if they just took two steps towards the ball, we were like, oh, whoo, smartest dog of all time. Like, we just threw this party. Like, they knew what was going on. We would reach our hands out with food and say, come to get it, come and get it. And they would come towards us. They were like, they even know when it's supper time. Like, we were just so, you know, like the bar is so low for our animals. If you have a cat and it chooses not to poop on your bed, you're like, huh, that's great. That was a great, great job. We have, the bar is so low for animals. And in the animal kingdom, sheep are not overachievers. They are not. They're, they're not considered the most intelligent. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he said, I'm the great shepherd. Because all the religious leaders who prided themselves on their intellect and their spiritual intellect would say, you're talking about us? We're sheep? I think not. Like he knew he was getting at them in that. But Jesus was saying, there are times when you need help seeing what you can't see, and you need help understanding what's actually right in front of you. And so as the great shepherd, he gives us this gift of wisdom. He says, I'm ready to help you perceive what's going on. Here is this wisdom. I'm ready to give it to you. In fact, in the book of James, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should call out to God who gives generously. He's ready to give it to you. We just don't stop and ask. Now, the interesting thing I think here is I don't know that it's the gift of knowing right and wrong. I, don't, I think it's much more than that. Most of you are not in trouble today because you knew right, you knew wrong, you just said, I'm going to do wrong anyway. Now, maybe you did, but most of you are not in that boat. Most of you are in trouble because you never stopped and asked, where is this path going to lead me that I'm on right now? And then one day you looked up and you were in a place you didn't want to be. Now, a sheep, what does a sheep do? A sheep doesn't stop and say, I wonder where this path goes. A sheep says, oh, look, a path. That's all he does. A sheep doesn't stop and say, I wonder how this is going to affect my body. A sheep just says, if that can fit in my mouth, it's going in my belly. Like, that's all I care about. If I can find a way to swallow it, I'm going to eat that. Like, there is no strategy. There is no plan to it all. And most of you are not in trouble because it was a right or wrong, and I just want to be evil. I just want to be rebellious. You just didn't stop and think, is this a wise path for me to take? Do I need to go down this direction? Where will this take me if I continue with this attitude I have? If I continue with this behavior? If I continue thinking about this over and over? If I continue to flirt with this temptation? If I continue on, where will this take me? And usually it's just a wisdom question. of saying, God, where will this lead? And a good shepherd knows that about his sheep, and he's going to make sure his sheep continue to be guided along the right path because ultimately they're going to wander off if not. 
And he doesn't want them in a place accidentally where they never intended to go in the first place, where there's no food, there's no shelter, nothing but danger out there. So he guides them, and he uses his staff to do that. The staff is that part, that weapon that he has that's really not there to hurt anyone, just to guide his sheep along the path. And ultimately, it's about wisdom. It's saying, I know you don't see the deal, but that's not your land. That's not our land. That's outside of our boundaries. We don't go there. I know you don't see the problem with that, but don't eat that. That's going to mess you up. I know you don't see the issue with this path, this rocky little path, but don't go there. I know where it, what's on the other side. It's just an issue of wisdom. So a shepherd thinks for a sheep. Third, a, sh- a shepherd defends his sheep. A shepherd is willing to step up and defend his sheep because not only does he have a staff, he also has a rod. And the staff doesn't really hurt a whole lot because he doesn't use it for that purpose. The rod, you don't want that upside your head. A shepherd is willing to stop and to fight and to defend. No one is going to come into his area, into the pen, and take the sheep that he is caring for, that belong to him. And Jesus has this interesting little part of the hired hand. He said, when a hired person comes in, he's caring for the sheep. He gives the front like he's going to take care of the sheep. But then when danger comes, the hired hand takes off. He's just there for the money. There's no real connection with the sheep. He said, that's not me. I don't run. I don't get out of here just because it's dangerous. I'm going to stand and fight. I'm going to stand and be with you. And a hard truth sometimes that we all have a hard time grasping and being willing to accept is that there are going to be people that come around in our lives because of a common interest, maybe a common enemy, but for whatever reason, we have people that come around and say, I'm here for you, man. I'm there. I've got your back. And then when times really get tough and you're in a ditch, they're nowhere to be found. They said they would be there, but it just wasn't convenient to be there that long, or it's too difficult, or it's going to cost them something. So all the people that you had leaned on are gone. And Jesus said, in that moment, you look up and you're going to find me right there. A few weeks ago, I could not have told you who the president of Ukraine was. I, I did not, I would not have known. Now I've already back-ordered a shirt to, with his face on it. Like I, I, I'm like so many, I'm thinking, that guy is unreal. Who looks at the rest of the world and says, I don't need to ride out of here, I just need some more weapons. Like, what kind of man? Like, that is unreal. So we all kind of, you know, our, our flesh sides as men, that, that's a real guy. I have no idea. He may be terrible. He may not even like my favorite football team. But I think he's pretty cool. Um, from what we can see in the news. And we get so worked up going, man, that guy, how tough, how great a leader. And Jesus has said, listen, you don't know anything. I'm going to be laying down my very life for you people, speaking to the religious leaders and those that are listening. And they had no idea what he meant. And I wonder how many of them on the night, on the day that Jesus was crucified, walked back to their houses and thought, huh, do you remember that time when he talked about laying down his this what he's doing? It, was this the plan all along? And Jesus told them so many times, as the good shepherd, I'll, I'll go to the very end for you. And no one is going to snatch you out of my hand. They're going to take my life before they mess with you. He will defend his sheep. So he gives us this gift of strength that as sheep, we really shouldn't have, but we can have because of him. We've got this promise that he's going to defend us. He's going to protect us. He's going to stay with us no matter what comes our way. When I get into trouble and I am attacked by the enemy and I fall, it's not because Jesus didn't do his job as a shepherd. It's because somewhere along the way, I wandered off. I wandered off. Jesus called with his voice and I just kept going. 
Jesus said, come over here, come over here. And he would use different things in my life to discipline and to bring his staff around and say, come over here, come over here. And I just didn't listen, did my own thing, just drifted. A lot of times I didn't mean to. I wasn't intentionally trying to upset God or run away from Jesus. I just wandered off. And then I find myself in trouble and I'm vulnerable and I'm ready to be attacked and I can't defend myself. And it's not because the shepherd didn't do his job or was unable to protect me. It's because over and over he showed me where to go, who to be with, what to be around, and I just, I left him. He says, if you'll stay with me, if you'll listen to my voice, if you'll follow me, if you'll follow the path that I've laid out for you, you're going to be fine. You can be bold and be confident. You can take risk. You can step out. You can speak for me. You can speak up. You can do your thing. You can defend people. You can be a man of justice, a man of mercy. You're going to be fine. Just make sure that you're following me because I'll defend my sheep to the very end. And then fourth, it means the shepherd unites his sheep as well. And every shepherd who takes care of sheep knows that there is strength in numbers. And he will be doing his job much better if he keeps the sheep together. Because there's strength there. And when they're off on their own, they're much more vulnerable. And Jesus says, no, I'm gonna, I want to keep you close. You need to be around your people. Over and over again, I know throughout, especially the last couple of years, you'd get tired of getting guilt trips on, you know, you need to get back with your spiritual family, you need to be back with your church family. And, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. It wasn't just because we needed to have something to do. It was because when you separate yourself and distance yourself from the people who know the person God created you to be and are there for you in that, when you distance yourself from them, you're weakening yourself. You're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. But the great thing is that Jesus doesn't leave us there. He always pursues us. He runs after us. His love follows us. His love chases us down. In fact, Jesus once said that if 99 sheep are safe and sound in the pen, but there is one that's missing. He said any good shepherd leaves those 99 to go after the one, to go pursue the one that has wandered off. And then once he finds the one that's wandered off, he puts him over his shoulder. He carries him back. Not to put in a separate pen to say, think about what you've done. He actually just puts them back with the rest of the sheep and says, now you're home. Now you're with your people. Now you're safer. Now maybe this is not going to happen again because I want you home. So he gives us this gift of unity by the way he leads us, by the way he guides us, by the way the shepherd uses the staff to protect us and keep us in line. He wants his people together. Just as badly as your parents wanted everybody at the house, and he wanted you and your sister to get along, and he wanted your family all to be in the same place at one time. That's how God looks and deals with us. He wants his people working together. He says, if you want to hinder the mission that I have, just be divisive and break apart and see what happens, because I'm not going to bless that stuff. My favor is not on that. My favor is when my people are together working together in harmony and in unity. And, and I want you to be together, not just for that, but for your own safety and for your own security. And he's willing to go after you and chase you down to bring you back to be with him. Now, the disruptor in this whole scenario was that thief that he mentioned in chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. Now, the thief disguises himself at times as a shepherd. He imitates the shepherd. He acts like the shepherd. He even tries to speak like the shepherd. And he 
brings us and draws us away. And that's why we usually wander. We look over here and thought, oh, here's an opportunity. There's food over here. There's opportunity. There's a moment. There's an, there's an open door. There's a chance maybe for me to become a little bit more and be a little bit more important, to be a little more valued. And we just begin to drift. And we follow that thief. And we find ourselves in a place that we never thought we would be. And maybe you've been there before. Hopefully you're not there today. But maybe you've been at one of those places where you just looked up and said, how did I get so far away? How did I get here? And how do I get home? Because I do not belong here. And then you look back, you can't even see the people you were once with that meant so much to you, that cared about you and were with you in those beginning stages in your relationship with God. You're just so far gone. You don't even remember how it happened. Like, well, there was that breakup or there was that job loss or there was that moment where God didn't answer my prayer the way I thought or there was that tragedy. There, there may have been something, but you really can't understand how you wound up where you are. But at some point, the answer is not to turn around and start looking for the lights of home. Just stop. Because if you'll stop running, you'll find the shepherd has been pursuing you the entire time. If you stop, he'll run right into you. Lift you up, take you back home. You don't have to do anything. Just stop running. Just stop being chased and allow him to have you. And allow him to pick you up and allow him to lead you back. The greatest king in the history of Israel, which is what so much of Scripture is about, his name was David. And before he was a king, he was a shepherd. And then he was anointed to be the next king of Israel, but there was already a king, and he was way too young. So he had to wait, and while he was waiting, he went back to do more shepherding. Like He was just a shepherd. That's what he knew. And he also, while he was there, discovered that he was a bit of an artist. And he wrote most of the book of Psalms. And we have all those songs, and many of them we've turned into songs that we can sing. If nothing else, we have them as ways to understand who God is throughout the Bible. And there was one day while he was at work where apparently he looked out of his little cubicle. He looked at his office, looked at his job, which was to take care of those sheep. And he looked out, and he knew God, and he knew his job, and he said, huh, it's like the Lord is my shepherd, and I, I don't lack anything, and he leads me to green pastures of grass to eat, and then he leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul, and he leads me in the right path for the sake of his name, and even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the deepest, darkest valley, I'm not going to fear anything. And then it's as if he turns and says, because you, God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare before me a table in the presence of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and surely your goodness, your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I get to dwell in your house forever. That was what he saw. That was the image that he had. And it was that image he clung to for the rest of his life and the rest of his ministry. And he was not a perfect man. And there were times when he wandered off. And every time he wandered off, God would send people. And God would have moments where he would intervene and say, David, come back up. That's not you. That's not who you are. You've messed up. You've messed up really badly. But I still love you as much as I've ever loved you. And I still have a plan for you, and I'm going to bring you back home. And David not only wrote about it, but he just lived that. He lived that story of a sheep wandering off and 
following the voice of the thief and then being brought back by the shepherd himself. I simply want to encourage you and remind you today that no matter how you got to where you are, you're there. We could sit all day trying to figure out how you got there, but you're there. And if you just stop running, you'll find that God has been pursuing you, that his goodness and his mercy has been following you this entire time. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to let you go because you belong to him. And you're going to stay miserable when you run because you don't belong there. Allow him to pick you up in his shoulders and bring you back and unify you with the people that know and love you and care about what God's doing in your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being a great shepherd and for never giving up on us. And it's easy to look at our lives and feel like we lack value after all that we've done and all we've put you through. But you've never, ever given up on us. And that image of a shepherd searching for his sheep, that image of a shepherd coming after, pursuing and following us to bring us back home is something I pray we never forget. God, for everyone who needs to come home, God, I'm so thankful that they're in this place right now. That you chose to remind them on this Sunday morning, maybe they weren't even ready for it, but you chose this day to remind them that you still love them as much as you ever did. Some of the ones in this room, when they were seven, eight, nine, ten years old, at some point called out and said, God, I want to follow you. And they became part of your family, and you became their shepherd in that moment. And between then and now, a lot's happened. A lot's gone on, and there have been good moments, and there have been some difficult moments, but you've never given up on them. And maybe today is the day they come home. For those in this place who have never said yes to you, I pray that now is the time they would be willing to say, God, I've, if you'll welcome me in, if you would be willing to be my shepherd, I'm coming home. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a chance to hear your voice today through your word and your image. And now, shepherd, we want to take this time to say out loud what we know in our hearts. We need you. We need you. We pray it in the name of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen.